0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at FilmSchoolRadio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. The Infiltrators is a docu thriller that tells the story of young immigrants who are detained by Border Patrol and thrown into a shadowy for-profit detention center on purpose. Marco and Viri are members of the National Immigrant Youth Alliance, a group of radical dreamers who are on a mission to stop unjust deportations. And I'll leave it there because there's a lot to talk about in this wonderful film called The Infiltrators, and we're joined today by the co-directors of the film, and that would be Christina Ibarra, and Alex Rivera. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks Thank so you. much.
0: Thank you. As I said, this is a really interesting documentary on a lot of levels, and also something that uh, a lot of people who uh, are immersed in the uh, the issue of immigration in America, the film highlights things that we're, we haven't seen a lot of, uh, which is inside a detention center and what goes on inside a detention center. And there's there are some films that have come out, narrative dr- drama films that have come out, but none that I've seen sort of take it uh, in the direction that you did. And I'll start with you, Christina. How did you come to the project of The Infiltrators?
1: Hi, um, you know, a lot of uh, what inspires me takes me back to where I grew up, which is the, the borderlands, the US-Mexico borderlands. So a lot of my work is uh, in one way or another dealing with that that kind of lifestyle, you know, of like a third space. When um, Alex and I came together for this film, I just really naturally was drawn to the subject matter. Um, and I've seen Alex uh, working on his work, you know, for, for about 20 years. Um, I've been doing documentary work for the most part, feature documentaries. And um, I just found this uh, as a very natural way for Alex and I to share our strengths and to create something new together. Um, so that's how I came to the project is um, by kind of just looking for opportunities to um, dig deeper into some of the themes that have been
2: um, kind of, that I've been tracking my whole life.
0: And Alex, do you to add to that?
2: Yeah, like Christina, I'm, I come from a immigrant family and all of my films over the past couple decades have been about immigration issues, border issues, trying to wrestle with and understand Latino politics in this country. And, um, when I saw the, the, the people who would be the subjects of the film, the national immigrant youth Alliance doing these, um, actions, these political actions in the year 2010, I was rocked. I was shocked. It was, uh, cause these were, undocumented youth dreamers as they're known sometimes who were coming out of the shadows proclaiming in public that they were undocumented and then getting themselves arrested by police in these radical political actions it was something I'd never seen before and Christina and I both have undocumented folks in our family we're used to people kind of laying low being in the shadows and this was shocking and it just raised a lot of questions about why someone would take that kind of risk And how the government, which was back then under uh, Obama, would react. Whenever I have this kind of like strong feelings and big questions, the impulse is always, let's make a film there, you know. And so we started to make a short film. um, But then over the course of filming and editing, we realized the story was big. And we ended up filming off and on for about two years with the uh, activists from the National Immigrant Youth Alliance.
0: Did the project take on a particular urgency before or after you met uh, Marco Saavedra, who is a prominent uh, character in the film? Um, tell it. Where did he come into the uh, to the, the telling of the infiltrators?
2: Yeah, So we, we were following this group, um, through multiple actions. You know, they would do something in Los Angeles and something in Arizona and North Carolina. And so we'd kind of follow them along. And, um, it was actually only after, um, after the infiltration of the Broward detention center, which was about a year and a half into our filming relationship with them that we met Marco. He, he appeared, you know sort of in front of our camera and we kind of started our relationship with him in Florida in 2012
1: No it just it just took some time for us to really um, discover how to tell the story because there was there, there were just so many different actions and you know once we once we settled on Broward because we saw that it had a a strong beginning middle and end that's really when we started to put the film together which was only you know like Alex said a couple years after we shot everything
0: this is where I want to kind of introduce the the style of the film. The film is told as part documentary and part as narrative film. And so you have people playing Marco. You have people playing um, Diana and Claudio. And they are kind of the hub of the story that's being told. But Marco seems to be someone who is not only dedicated to this to essentially reforming or bringing about justice in our immigration detention system but also a pretty fearless person and i would imagine you're meeting him and getting to know him was probably uh, he gives the i guess what i'm trying to say is it gives the film uh, a kind of a center kind of the person who is is the is making a lot of dynamic things happen in in this story Christina, is that a fair? Am I being fair to that uh, to him in the, in the story?
1: No, you are. And it's, it's um, also surprising because Marco is a very quiet, but powerful thinker. And so he's a wonderful character to draw out because he's the most surprising undercover person you would ever meet. That's the last person you'd think would go undercover. Um, right. So yeah, but he is definitely um, the one who sets this story in motion when mm-hmm. he decides to get uh, arrested.
0: Well, Alex, let's talk a little bit about the Border Patrol, The uh, essentially some of the cold hard statistics about Border Patrol, Homeland Security, its place in sort of the firmament of law enforcement. I, there's some, t- some statistics in the film that surprised me about the size and scope of their responsibility. Let's talk a little bit about that.
2: Some of the things that we learned along the way were that Customs and Border Protection, which is charged with You know, managing kind of flows of people and goods across the border is larger than the FBI, and it's the largest law enforcement agency in the history of the world. You know, under Obama, there was about 400,000 deportations every year, which clocks in at about 1,200 per day. which is about one a minute. Um, So it was like an incredible system that we're talking about when we talk about immigration enforcement. Like if you're a citizen and you don't have immigrant family, you might never think about it or might not see it. But it's an absolutely massive, sprawling apparatus that is gobbling up billions and billions of our dollars to um, try to control people and keep people where they were born control the flows of families that want to reunite and people who want to look for work and it's this incredibly um, just massive apparatus and the dreamers that we follow in our film had this kind of inside outside relationship to it because they grew up in the United States they're English speakers sort of they know the United States as their home but they're also outsiders and that they could be targeted by that system at any minute as could their families and so This is a story about that group of people kind of deciding to use their position as kind of insider outsiders, that they're undocumented but also American, to throw themselves at this system and to go into it to try to um, understand it and find people inside that system, other immigrants who they could help get out.
0: Yeah. And in the storytelling of this, uh, there's a lot of – tactics being used, things that uh, they deploy in terms of helping these people out who are in these detention centers that um, are innovative and nonviolent ways in which there used to be. And I don't know if this, all of the parameters that we see in the infiltrators are still the case, are still options available to people in detention centers today. So I'm not sure if that's I don't know if you want to go down this road, but it certainly seems like things have gotten in qualitatively worse for people being detained than they were even a few years ago. Christina, is, is that, am I correct in, this, in, in saying that?
1: Uh, so, you know, it, surprisingly, um, deportations have gone down under the Trump administration. I don't have um, the exact numbers, but it, it, it's, um, they have gone down, but detentions uh, have, have gone up. And, you know, the, the facility that we focus on Broward is, um, um, like a minimum security facility. So it's, it's considered like the, the crown jewel of the system where, um, you know, it th- things here are, are how, like, they call it the model, model detention center. And so we, we don't see the same kinds of, um, uh, tactics as in other facilities. Right. And, In today's environment, you know, with, um, this, this spread of this virus, I mean, it's, it's, it's even more dangerous. People are, are, um, suffering and, you know, real lives are at stake. So it's just, it's, it's increasingly worse. Definitely. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, The thing that that was, again, that we learned, I think, during this process was this idea of discretion, that like a lot of times people who are in the right wing say like, what part of illegal don't you understand? As if this issue is simple and people are either illegal and you throw them out or they're not and they get to stay and that's it. But the reality is actually immigration being here without papers is not a criminal matter. It's not an illegal matter. And what I mean by that is If it was, police would arrest you for immigrating. You know, the police would go, "You're you're being charged for immigrating in the first degree," and they'd take you to jail. That's not how immigration is handled. It's a whole other system. It's a civil system, and it's driven on this notion of discretion. There's 12 million undocumented people here. ICE can pick up one person today and let them go tomorrow. They can pick up 10 people and let and keep them for a year or keep them for a month. It's it's all it's this kind of strange soft system, in soft meaning there's not sentences, there's not trials, it's a totally different type of system for arresting and controlling people. And it's very complicated and strange and those same, that strangeness is what made it vulnerable to the infiltrators attacks under Obama. Um, they were able to get in and then use that, pu- use publicity and use other types of political power to put pressure on the Obama administration to get people free. And so it's a very different kind of game than jail and prison and that whole criminal system. It's a very, it's a different system. And understanding that was part of our um, our challenge and also something we hoped to share with the audience through this film.
0: Thank you for that answer. Thank you for kind of bringing us back to, to where we should be. And that is the film itself and the storytelling itself but before we go any further, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Alex Rivera and Christina Ibarra. They are the uh, co-directors of the film, The Infiltrators. It is available. Uh, it's coming out through Oscilloscope Distributors. It is. You can go to the Oscilloscope website to find out about the film, The Infiltrators. Is there another website that you would recommend um, for us to go to, or is this the best one?
2: Uh, th- that's a good one and then we're also at infiltratorsfilm.com okay. And um, yeah thats that's those are good places to go and then I'm at dot and Christina at christina Ibarra.com and Great. all of our respective Great. dot coms.
0: Great well that that will be posted as well as t- that all the information you just articulated at the filmschool will be your clearinghouse of information if you choose to go there. Well, thank you for bringing us back because the one thing I just recently learned about the border protection is that their jurisdiction extends 100 miles in from all of the American borders, which takes in almost two-thirds of the population of the country, which is another kind of odd statistic. And I think you're absolutely right to point out just how Kafka-esque this system seems to be. And that's really what... I think the takeaway from from the infiltrators is is just how kind of capricious and random that the system seems to be, and that doesn't serve anyone's best interest. It it, it can sometimes, but it often will not. And it's al- it's almost a matter of just who you know, or who who on the outside can help you, will determine whether your what your fate can be moving forward is. Is that fairly accurate to say it that way? or?
1: Yeah. So the, this idea of discretion can be exercised if pressure is placed on the right um, pressure points. Yeah. That's Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I really, that's one of the things I, I so like about the infiltrators is, as I alluded to at the top of our interview, just how little we really know and understand about this system. It is just such an easy sort of red meat to dangle in front of the electorate one way or the other for people to react to it, but so little real understanding of what that system is and how it operates. And uh, just this vague idea that it's protecting our borders is enough, seems to be enough for a lot of people and did not want to go any further into it. We lose sight of the, the human cost, the humanity the circumstances, the nuances, and I like about your film is it brings those nuances forward in a way that we can understand and relate to. So what's been the reaction um, within, when when you've screened this for people who are dreamers or for people who are one way or the other involved in this issue or not involved in this issue? I'm kind of curious the reaction from uh, people who you've, you've screened this for, Christina?
1: So, yeah, I mean, we we uh, screened this uh, with some of the infiltrators um, in the audience. And to me, that, that has been um, a, the, the most emotional because you do have this emotional storyline. I mean, you learn a lot, um, but it's through the struggles of real people. When the lights go on and you see those people that have been at all costs pushing forward to get this mission accomplished. I mean, it, it's just, it's very fulfilling to the point where, you know, at, at Sundance, uh, we were, we were just so happy to even be there, but it was just incredible to be able to capture the attention of two different sides of, um, two different kinds of audiences. We have both the, the jury, jury award, um, and the audience award. So you can see that the film kind of works on, you know, different different levels. So there's something there for people who are interested in in learning how the system works. But that, but mostly it's just a good ride. It's like a it's a it's a great story um, with captivating protagonists. We're normally used to seeing immigrants who are suffering or who you know who are victims. In this case, we have immigrants who know the system better than than we do. You know, they they're uh, they know they they're political strategists. They're powerful. They own their power. It's just—it's exciting, you know.
0: Well, and Alex, uh, kind of piggybacking on that reaction, because this film, these are dreamers. The people, many of the people that we're that are in the film are dreamers. Um, is it heartening or disheartening? How how do you react to the fact that dreamers and that issue seems to have sort of dr- dropped off the political agenda? Uh, for any kind of movement. It used to be the Democrats. That was almost always, when they were talking about legislation, immigration reform, DREAMers were always kind of their first option. This is what we need. This is a bottom line for us. I don't hear a lot of discussion about that anymore. Is that something that I'm just not aware of? How do, How is that kind of playing out in your mind?
2: Yeah, well, the immigration conversation, so, you know, We've been following it for a couple decades and it kind of rises and falls and twists and turns. And obviously under the Trump administration for the first several years, it was sort of a central thematic, whether talking about the border wall or kids in cages or, you know, uh, his attempts to repeal DACA, which is the sort of limited uh, protection that dreamers Um, one under the Obama administration. So it's kind of been going up and down. Obviously, right now, people are panicking and and focused, rightly so, on uh, the coronavirus and all of that. So it's kind of a little bit more in the background. But this summer, um, we're all anticipating um, a landmark decision from the Supreme Court about DACA, which will determine whether or not that protection, um, of dreamers is allowed to stand. So a lot of legal observers are expecting the Supreme court to, um, basically put an end to that and make dreamers, um, exposed once again to deportation this summer, um, right before the election. So I think it'll ramp back up again. So this thing goes up and down over time, but, um, but it always comes back,
0: you know. It always yeah, it does.
2: Back. The question of who's an insider and who's an outsider, um, who's American and who's not, is uh, existential. It's it's uh, it's part of the definition of the nation, and so it's a question that's always going to haunt us until we have a a real um, a real answer that lines up with our values of justice and equality and decency. Until we get there this is always going to be kind of a specter haunting all of us.
0: I could not agree more. It is, we are a nation of immigrants and and yet, you know, we struggle. We struggle in ways that are perplexing and it's hard to see them as not being racist as well. And there's a lot of, a lot in the mix here. And um, I'm without turning this into a rant. I just, I think your film pushes the ball forward in terms of, giving people a context and an understanding of the people who are in the system and who are on the outside of the system, the mixed family relationship to immigration. And it's it's um, a terrific uh, piece of work. And uh, thank you so very much for finding time to spend with us here. Uh, before we leave, I just want one more sort of way to get in touch with the film. You can go to the Oscilloscope site and it's there, the Oscilloscope distribution site. You can find the infiltrators there. And you mentioned infiltratorsfilm.com, and that will take you to the website where you can find out more information about the film, as well as you yourself, Alex Rivera, have your own website, is alexrevera.com, if I got that correct.
1: Yes. <laughs> and
0: Christina Ibarra, I-B-A-R-R-A, uh, your site as well, ChristinaIbarra.com, so I think we got it covered. I think we're good. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. It's great. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar.